With that being said, would you please stand for God's reading God's holy word. Luke chapter 4, verses 38 through 41. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. The reading of God's holy word. You may be seated. Now, there's an unusual question to start with, but what are you going to be doing after church today? Some of us may go out to lunch. Some of us are going to take a nap. Meet up with family. We we have our various traditions that we do. And it really wasn't that much different in Jesus' day. We we see last week he he went to the synagogue, the church of his day, and he preached a sermon, a very powerful sermon, a sermon that left them in awe with with his authority to cast out even the demons. And so afterwards, what is he going to do? You know, if he's like me, he gets a little worn out from preaching, spiritually worn out. And so he, he leaves the synagogue, and Peter says, Come on over, Jesus, come to my house. We're in my hometown of Capernaum. And so that's what we see Jesus do right here. He follows Peter, him and his other disciples, that they go, and they go to Peter's house. And who who is there? There's a lady there known as uh, Peter's mother-in-law. We don't talk about her hardly at all. There's only one other place in Scripture we read about her. Don't tell the Catholics Peter was married. <laughs> we, we see Peter is married, but... There's something that is going on that is unusual here. We, we see right away that she is sick. She is sick, it says, with a high fever. This is not just a you know, 101. This is uh, the scripture's way in the Greek of saying she is close to death. And so when, when Jesus goes there, they beg him to heal her. And something very unusual happens in this healing. Uh, let, me, let me give you a little trivia. How many times has Jesus ever rebuked a disease or an uh, illness in the in the Gospels. He does it one time in this passage right here. Jesus rebukes the fever. What does that tell us? That this is no ordinary fever. This fever has a demonic origin. And so Jesus rebukes this fever and immediately it leaves her. But there's a few things we need to know about Jesus' culture to understand why this is so significant. Number one, the, the Jewish rabbis had a teaching that said... No prophet, no priest, no king can ever cast away a fever unless that person be God. So this is no small thing. We In our culture, we're kind of like, well, we got Tylenol. We'll, we'll give you some stuff and your fever will go away. Well, what we're doing, we're masking the fever. We're not really making it go away. Jesus here, he rebukes it. It goes away immediately. And she does something I think we all should do as, as we're called to Christ. When, when Christ heals us, what does she do? She gets up right away and starts to serve them. She doesn't just come half-heartedly like, thank you, Jesus, go lay back down for a while. She, she starts to serve them right away. She understands what a great honor that has been bestowed upon her. And the next misconception is that uh, the, the people of Jesus' day, they viewed demons and illnesses uh, kind of as specialists. They viewed the demons that there were certain demons that could give you a fever and certain demons could cause you to have seizures. And certain demons uh, could um, um, give you supernatural powers or, or make you do things against your will. 
And so that if, if a person had seizures and a fever and supernatural strength, that they must have at least three demons inside of them. And, and so there's, there's a lot of, of these myths about demons that Jesus is going to correct during his ministry. And we will see some of that as we go along. But I, I want us really to, to understand that when Jesus rebukes this fever to the people in that day, that was a, whoa, this is not just some prophet. This is not just some teacher. He just rebuked the fever. The fever is gone. This woman is now well, and she is serving Jesus and Peter and the other disciples in Peter's house. This was a big deal, and I don't want us to lose the smallness because in our world we'd be like, now, if Jesus would cast out cancer, that would be a big deal because that is something that, that affects us all. But to them, to have this kind of fever likely meant death. It doesn't in our society because of God has provided many doctors and pharmacists and people with great wisdom and knowledge and scientific studies to, to provide medicines and treatments that, that go a long way to um, dealing with a lot of the ailments that, that were not possibly dealt with in, in Jesus' day outside of a, a supernatural miracle worker like Jesus. And so I, I would ask us, when, when, when we see this, and we see uh, Peter's mother-in-law give up, or not give up, get up and start serving, have you been healed? Did you get up when you were healed? Did you start to serve? I'm speaking of the cross of Christ. When Jesus goes to, to the cross and he offers you healing, he's offering you healing from your sin nature, to be born again. What have you done since then? Have you got up to serve Christ? That is what she does. In response to his great grace and, and mercy in healing her, she gets up and serves him and those around him. We are all called to get up and to serve, not just your preachers and your deacons or the, the trustees, the elders of the church, your Sunday school teachers. But every one of us is called to get up and to serve. Amen. So I would have us to look into our hearts and are we doing this? And if so, you know, how can we do it better? How can we do it more fully to bring God glory? And if we are not doing this, why not? If God is, if you've truly been born again and you have been saved, why wouldn't you be serving the king who has saved you? We serve people all the time. Uh, many of us, whether we we're working at our uh, department store jobs or in restaurants or the various places we do, we are serving people all the time. And there is a motivation to serve. It's a paycheck at the end of the week. But God has offered you something so much better. But are we truly serving? I'll come back to that thought in just a minute. But I want to talk about these people that, that Jesus encountered in his day, these townspeople. They saw him cast out a demon. Soak that into your mind just a little bit. Who here has ever seen a demon cast out? Now, we don't even like, we acknowledged it last week, we don't even like to say the word demon. We don't like to talk about demons and demonic activity, the spiritual warfare, that Satan is real and he is a roaring light and he desires to devour you, to destroy you and your family, everything that you're doing for the kingdom. He desires to put that to an end, to put you through pain, to, have, to do to you like he did to Job and try to get you to curse God, to deny your faith so that you can be of no use to God at all. That is what Satan is after. He wants to hurt God through you. Are you going to let him? So I understand clearly that they saw this. But then there was kind of what I call crickets in their community. I want you to imagine, pretend 
uh, today somebody comes down that's filled with a demon and that person is set free. We cast the demon out of him by the power of Christ. But we all just sit in silence. That's what happened in Jesus' day. He casts out a demon and we're all sitting in silence. We see him healing people, but we all sit in silence. And what do these people do? They wait till the sun goes down, which in the Jewish culture meant it was no longer the Sabbath. It was now the next day. And then they bring people that need healing to him. Then they bring the people that have demons possessing them. Why? Is he not Lord of the Sabbath? If you had somebody who is dying from a disease, I have my little friend Kyle, four years old, who is suffering tremendously from pneumonia. He needs to be healed. But we know where that road leads. Would, would his mother, seeing that he has pneumonia, wait till the next day to bring him to Jesus to be healed? No. Then why did they? Why would they wait? Because they were so afraid of what man might think. Oh no, they, they were breaking the law by bringing their, their friends and their family that, that had diseases. These are people that could have died. Or even worse, the people that are, are filled and possessed and being led astray by demons. You have one, the only one, who has authority over demons. And yet you wait till the sun goes down. But if we look at our lives, how many of us are like that? Where we wait. We hear the gospel preached here every week, but we wait. This is not the week. I want to live my life a little more. I, I want to go on and have things my way before I give in to God. Or, the, or, or God has told you to share your faith with your family, but you wait because you don't want your family mad at you. Because there will be some who disown you. Then they're done that. It happens. But if God has told you to do it, if he showed you who Jesus is, why would you wait? Why wouldn't you come now to the Lord of all as he's walking this earth. Now you and I, we come week after week and we hear that gospel. But I asked this morning, you know, how's everyone doing? Are we ready to worship? And it's like, amen. <laughs> amen. Now you say, well, Jesus isn't here. If he was here, I'd come down and I'd get excited and worship at his feet, right? Jesus said, you'll do greater things. Do you not realize that the Holy Spirit is living within all of you? I asked you, who here has been born again? And I saw many of you nodding your heads, doing their various things. The Holy Spirit is indwelling in you. Amen. We are here together to worship Christ. Amen. And the Spirit is leading us to do that. And we're like, amen. 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 Jesus has saved me from hell. Amen. 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 He has saved you from an eternity of pain and suffering. He has cast out the demons from among your midst. He has brought you true healing. But we have a hard time getting excited. So we're more worried about man. A day is going to come where we're all going to be gathered around that throne and we're going to be singing at the top of our lungs, praising and worshiping God Almighty for what He has done. I want to tell you, you have the opportunity to be greater than Jesus by doing the works he has given you to do now. What's the difference between you and Peter? 
Uh, I'll give away. I was going to have a spoiler later. Tonight we're going to talk about the greatest disciple Jesus ever had. You know who it is? It's you. You know why? Peter's in heaven. There's nothing more Peter can do to bring God glory. Paul, John, Andrew, Philip, Nathaniel, they are gone. They've gone into glory. There's no more good deeds they could do to bring God glory. You know who could do more good deeds to bring God glory? You know who could come together and be excited about worship? Be excited that, that Christ is present in our lives? You. After church, I'm going to go to the hospital and try to bring Kyle hope. Because there is hope in the one who brings healing, Jesus Christ. Amen. Much more than the doctors or the nurses can bring. We should get excited to come to church to worship God. We should be excited that, that God offers to heal us. But when we talk about that healing, there's been a great misconception in the church. I've heard some here in and others across this country today, as we gather around, all around the church, there are people that are coming together because they, they, they're coming. Why? Because they're going to be entertained in some churches. And some churches are going to tell them all the things that they want to hear. And some of them, they say, you can be healed. Just believe. What about those of us who have died of cancer? Do they not have enough faith? What about me? I've suffered from epilepsy my entire life. Am I lacking faith? Or is God not loving enough that he would set me free from that? We have to understand why Jesus is healing. We, we can think about it like this. My, my, my little friend Kyle, he was taken to Copley Hospital. And I, I've gone into Copley Hospital way too many times, more than I'd like to. And you go in and they got this brand new beautiful wing. Cost them millions of dollars. You know what that wing can do? Absolutely nothing. That those millions of dollars they put into that wing, and Darren paid for most of it. <laughs> that, that beautiful wing, when, when we go into it, we see a coffee shop and a gift shop. But that wing couldn't provide any comfort for my little buddy with pneumonia. You know what Copley had to do? Say, we can't help you. We need to send you to CDH. Because your pneumonia is too bad for as a child. They don't have the capability, that technology. Wouldn't it have been better to take that money and put it into life-saving efforts? Because that is what a hospital is for. So many of us, we come to Jesus to be entertained. Or we come because, you know, maybe we have cancer. Maybe we have some horrendous disease. Or some condition we'd like to be set free from. Or our finances are in a shamble. Or whatever it may be, we come to Jesus... For that, we say, Jesus, would you do this for me? As soon as he does it, we forget about it. We, we go on our way. Because why? We're like the people that want to go and see that beautiful wing at Copley. But when we get there, we don't, we don't realize what Jesus is really about. The healing that Jesus provides is for two reasons, really. Number one was to show that he is the Messiah. So that you understand who he is and why he has come. When we, when we talk about Jesus being the Messiah... I want us to truly understand that him being the Messiah means that he has come to put an end to sin. Amen. He has come to battle Satan and to conquer sin, to set us free from the slavery of sin. When he heals in the New Testament, he is showing them what he is about to do. He is reversing the effects of sin. You will be healed. Isaiah 53 talks about it. Let's, I'm going to have us turn 
to Isaiah 53. We'll have it up on the, the overhead for you. Let, let us read so we can truly understand what Isaiah is getting at here. This is where we get that verse from. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and they like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. Who is this him that Isaiah is speaking of? It's Jesus. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. There that magic verse is. Let's continue reading. And, and we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And for his generation we considered that he was cut off of the land of the living, stricken from the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it is the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, many make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him with a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many, and made intercession from, for the transgressors. You see, when it talks about by his stripes we are healed, we are healed from the condition of sin. That's right. Yeah. Amen. We will suffer a death like Christ, and we will partake in a resurrection like his. Amen. What the... The Isaiah the prophet is writing here and what the gospel writers will later talk about is when we say we are healed, we are healed by this condition of sin, this fallen world we live in. That is what it means to be born again, that, that we no longer are a slave to sin, that when this body is finally put to death, that when this, this tent is gone forever, God will raise us up a new glorified body that is no longer suffering from any ailment, no fever, no cancer, no disease, no tiredness, no hunger. Amen. None of that. It is all gone. That is what it means to be healed by Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I do not want to get, get you the wrong picture. Jesus still heals today physically. But so often we, we focus on, on the physical things in this life. We come to Jesus uh, about those things that, that are really fleshly. And when we pray for finances, we're, we're praying that we'll be more comfortable in this world. We're, we're praying that, that those, those things that we're suffering with physically, we're wanting to live a more comfortable life. Jesus did not live a comfortable life. And so when we face those things, it, it is good to pray to God in God's will for those things to be removed. But I would have, have us be reminded of the, the wisest man in the history of the world, King Solomon. He went through many trials. Do you know how many times he asked for those trials to be removed? Zero. He asked that he would have the wisdom to lead his people through those times. You're going to get sick. 
Many of you will die. We're going to go through ailments that are not fun to go through. It is not wrong to ask God to, to take the pain away or to, to heal if that is God's will. But understand, when the day comes, as the song we sang, even if, even if God doesn't heal, it doesn't mean that God loves you any less. It is hard to see what God is doing in the midst of that storm of your life. But understand that God is going to heal, not in the way that we think, but in the way that brings God glory. Because, let us think, if God heals me of my epilepsy, or heals you of whatever you're going through, a day is still going to come where this body gives out and dies. And the healing, the temporary healing of the fever for Peter's mother-in-law doesn't mean she's not going to die. The real healing is that, that Christ is going to allow us to be resurrected. He is the first in the resurrection and the life. And he promises all those who believe upon him will have eternal life. That is the true healing, and that is what, what we should talk about. So when we see these, these many things on, uh, on TV and various preachers telling you, you just have to name it and claim it. Believe it, and it will be done to you. You have no authority to name it and claim it. You are not God. The reason Jesus can speak a word and a fever be gone, or speak a word and cancer be gone, or epilepsy, or whatever it is that you may be going through, is because He is the author and the creator of life. He is the one who has created your body. He is the one who can bring healing because He has the authority to do so. I do not have the authority to heal my body or to heal your body. Christ and Christ alone is your creator. He alone can do it. You have no more authority over your bank account than your body. So when we talk about these various things, let us understand clearly the people that are preaching those things to you want one thing. They want your money. They want to get rich off of your hopes and dreams. They are not preaching you the gospel because they are preaching you a doctrine of demons. We are told their condemnation is from long ago. And they will get what is coming to them. But you and I, we are called to preach the truth, preach the gospel. Amen. And so are we going to be like Peter's mother-in-law, get up and start serving? Part of that serving is getting out of our comfort zones and telling others about the gospel. Right. I want you to imagine what it would be like if every disciple of Jesus was just like you. Would anyone hear the gospel? If you share the gospel, then yes, they would. Nearly everyone would hear it. But if you never share it, the church would die with you. Now we know God will not allow that to happen. Amen? Amen. He's not dependent on us. But he has given us a great honor to serve with him. Amen. We have no right to it. We have no authority in doing so. When we asked in Sunday school, why did God choose Israel? Why did God choose Abraham? And I said, why did God choose any of us? We'll have to ask him when we get up there because none of us are worthy to be chosen. I have nothing worthy to offer God except my praise and worship and service to Him. Amen. Amen. So what will you do this week? Will you serve Him? Will we get off our pews and get off our hands? Next week when we come, will we be excited? Will we come back tonight, be ready to praise and worship and hear God's Word again? Will we be here on Wednesdays to, to pray, praise God, to worship, to, to pray to Him? When you go home today, are you going to be reflecting on this message of how you can serve God? On how, how you can pray out to Him? 
for what it means that he's actually healed you. Not that he's going to heal you. You are healed right now if you are truly born again. Amen. 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 We, we talk about there's many who are afraid of death. I am not one of them. You know why? Because death to me is freedom. It is freedom from sin. It is, it is freedom from everything that this world throws at you. The day is going to come where the roaring lion, Satan, is going to tremble in fear. Because he's going to see the real lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah. You know what else he's going to see? He's going to see me. And he's going to see you. Amen. And we'll be returning with Christ. Amen. Because let, let us be real clear with, with Jesus. When he came and he was born of the virgin. And yes, he cast out demons and he healed people. But his desire was not to set up his kingdom then in a fallen world full of sin, full of disease, full of death. His desire was to overthrow the ruler of this world, Satan, and to make this world new, to drive out the curse of sin forever. That is why the demons over and over again say, Jesus, Son of God, we know who you are. Because they want him to, to be noticed by the people so that they will force him to be the king, so that he will never go to the cross, so that you can never truly be healed. The demons desired nothing for you but to hurt you. They knew if, if Jesus would have ascended to the throne, he would have been king on this earth, but you would not be set free. His kingdom would be him and him alone. But we are now part of his kingdom for all who believe. So I, I'd ask us, as I asked earlier, do you believe in him? If you're not sure or you answer no, I implore you to come down today. Do not be like the, the people in this town and say, we're going to wait for the Sabbath and then come down and then seek Jesus for our healing. Why would you wait to be healed of your sin? It is the one thing, the sin that, that, we, that indwells in us. It is the one thing that separates us from God. But Christ has offered it if you repent and believe in him that he will set you free. I heard a great analogy this week uh, that I'll use. I give, give my wife Nina credit for it. She, she's the one that brought it to my attention. Brother Darren, would you bring that chair up here? Would you all recognize this is a chair? Yeah. This is a chair, right? What is a, the purpose of a chair? To sit down. What if I looked at this chair and like, I'm really tired and I need to sit down. Been up here preaching too long, things like that. You know, I'd really like to sit down, but I just don't have faith that this chair can hold my weight. I've sat in a few chairs that, that were like that. But <laughs> <laughs> well, this chair, if I have faith that this chair will hold my weight and it's capable of holding my weight, I'll be able to sit down. And look at that. It's holding my weight right now. When we talk about Jesus, Jesus says, I can take the weight of your sin. I can take it to the cross and atone for all your sins. Amen. But you have to trust in me. You have to trust that I have done this, that I am able to do this. I am able to set you free from sin. I am able to heal you. Many of us, we look at Jesus and like, well, I know what the message is. I've heard Pastor Dylan and many others preach the gospel. I've seen Billy Graham a thousand times on TV tell me the same thing, that if I trust in Jesus, I will be saved. The problem is, 
and we look at the chair and we go on our life, then a day is going to come where it is our last day according to the Father's will, and the chair is removed. And we're going to stand before the Father and try to sit down, and we're going to fall back. Because we didn't take the opportunity to place our faith in Christ when we had the opportunity. Amen. Amen. So whatever that you, that you have desired to do for God, I, I pray you would do it for Him to this day. I know many, myself included, have a desire to get in shape. But where does that desire come from? Is it the flesh? Because if it's the flesh, you're not doing it out of the, the right heart. If you want to get better because maybe God's calling you to be a missionary, you need to be able to travel across country, up and down mountains, into villages and hills that are very hard to, to go over. I can tell you right now, I am not in the physical shape to be a missionary. The legs cramp up way too easy. Flat-footed does not help. So if you're going to do it in shape, do it for Him. If you're going to study and learn, do it for Him. There's many people all across this world who study and obtain knowledge after knowledge. Solomon tells, tells us this is folly. That there's nothing new under the sun. That if you're going to, to learn, do it because you want to learn about God. Because you want to be able to share God with others and how He has set them free. If you're going to fix your finances, don't do it so you can go on that vacation you've always dreamed of or because... You're tired of living paycheck to paycheck, but do it because you want to be faithful in your tithes and offering to God. Because you want to be able to use what God has blessed you with to go for His kingdom. If you, want, if you need time away, if you need that vacation, do it because you want you and your family to get closer to God. Not because you just want to get away. Everything we should do should be for God's glory. Absolutely everything. Because God has come down to this earth to set us free. Not so that we could sin and let sin abound. You're told, God forbid. He has come to set us free so that we could shine His glory here. We could shine His light so that others would be free, so that they may have hope. This world offers no hope. Turn on the news day after day, it's horrible. People are getting shot. People are getting sucked out of planes. There's mobs and riots. People being killed by wild dogs. Militias overseas. Death after death after death. There's no hope this world offers you. But God offers you a true hope. Amen. His son Jesus Christ. Amen. And he says when you trust in him, the day will come where he will call you home and you will be healed forever. No more will we have to worry about the hearing aids. The cataracts. That will all be gone. No more will we have to worry about our heartbreak and how many people have wronged us. How people have violated us over and over and used us and abused us. God will make it right. Amen. So let us go before him now. If, if you do not know Christ truly, come down now. Don't let the chair pass you by one more time. But if you do know him, reflect on your lives. Are we serving him as we should? If you are, I say, on behalf of the church and God, thank you. Thank you for bringing God glory. We need to do this together. Amen. But if you're not, think about how, how you can, where God is calling you. He's calling you to something differently than He's calling me to. We all have our own way to serve Him. There's not one of us who can't serve Him. 
So let us consider that this week. As we go out to those places, whatever, you thought about what you're going to do after church today. Do it, but do it for His glory. If you're going to share a meal, ask your waitress how you, how you can pray for her. If you're going to go take a nap, do so with some Sabbath rest. Spend some time reading His Word when you wake up. Or some time in prayer before you take that nap. Or if you're going to go out to the movie theater or go watch TV at home, look at that. Look, look at that in, in that movie. Do you see anything redeeming in that movie? From, can God be glorified in that movie? And if not, stop watching it. We have such a short life. As I said earlier, Peter can no longer bring God glory here on earth. You can. Amen. You Amen. have the ability to be the greatest disciple Jesus has ever had. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the great blessing you give us, Lord God. I pray now, Lord, that you be with us. Your spirit overwhelm us. If there's anyone here who does not know you, Lord, do not have them wait any longer. Have your Holy Spirit have them come down now and receive you so that they may truly be healed, not just physically, Lord, in the physical things of this life, but truly spiritually. Let them be born again and have that assurance and that hope that when this life is over, Lord, it is glory and hallelujah, a new life. No more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more racism, no more hatred, no more death, no more disease. For God's name be glorified forever and ever and ever. We will praise you with your holy angels for all eternity. In your holy name, Jesus. Amen.